Alright guys, Dane and Nick were back. Turns out we're on episode 14. So we're going to have Pac-12 hoops covered in 3 minutes or less. If you've been here before, you know the deal. If you're new to the show, welcome to the party, baby. And so uh, we'll get your favorite team covered in 90 seconds or less. That's always going to, or excuse me, in 3 minutes or less. And, uh, you know, we got lives. Dane and I got lives. Our publishers got a life. So, you know, that's that's the spiel. So before any further ado, we're going to get uh, kind of right into it here. So the big three takeaways from this weekend has got to be Arizona's bounce back week. Um, their victories prove that they're still one of the top teams in conference. They handled Colorado easily. They also destroyed Utah. So that's a good sign for them. Things move in the right direction. Uh, WSU had their best basketball week in probably a decade. Um, they were able to shock the world, beating number eight Oregon. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And uh, they followed that up on Clay Thompson's home. Um, uh, excuse me, Clay Thompson jersey retirement night with a win against Oregon State, and are actually standing at three and three in the conference. Um, kind of similar to the week Cal had before um, in terms of a lesser team in conference getting it done. And last but not least, Utah, after beating Kentucky early in the season, has fallen dead last in the conference. And that's just very notable to beat Kentucky to be dead last. So that's all I got in the introduction. Doodlin' Dane, do it up. Get us started over there from AZ. All right, yeah, thanks, Nick. Back here in Tucson. It is, I think, 78 degrees. It's the warmest day we've had since the middle of November. So it's looking like winter is already over and heading towards summer already. But, um... Yeah, I mean, my big takeaway from this weekend was Oregon uh, splitting that trip in uh, Washington. The loss to Washington State was a shock, but um, I think that's indicative of Washington State's this performance this year. And Kyle Smith is clearly going to be the coach of the year unless something drastically changes. Uh, what he's done out there in Pullman is very impressive. And then the Ducks, you know, followed that up with a victory over uh UW in Seattle that over time um Peyton Pritchard does what he does hit some big shots some really deep threes and won them that game so that was huge for them really important for their um regular season race for the conference title and then as Nick also mentioned um Arizona sweeping the mountain schools um the margin of victory over Colorado was the most noteworthy thing I expected that game to be close that Colorado would probably win Arizona ended up winning by 21 so um Mikhail is a really tough environment to play in uh Colorado hasn't won here in Tucson since I think 1965 and Utah hadn't won here since 1986 so um you don't just come into Tucson and win very often so um yeah let's jump right into it though All right, so we're going to start with the Cougs this week. Um, as mentioned at the top of the show, probably their best basketball week in a long, long time, uh, realistically since um, Clay Thompson's actually played for the program. So uh, plain and simple, if you're not following the Cougs, um, not really sure why you would be if uh, you're not really into Pac-12 basketball, uh, give, you, give them a quick synopsis of the team. They've got a new head coach in Kyle Smith who's really uh, emphasized defense. And uh, it's starting to show on the court, and they're proving a tough out. Um, they're competing in a lot more games than they did last year. What that means for later in the season still yet to be remained. Um, to call them an elite team would be a lie. But they did have a nice win, and they've proven tough to beat at home. Uh, currently 3-1 and one at home in the conference. Their star player is going to be C.J. Ellaby. He's, uh, he dropped 25-14. and 14. Um, it, I believe that was against Oregon or OSU. Or excuse me, that was against Oregon. Sorry, guys. 
And um, so 25 and 14 against Oregon. He's a very athletic, hard-nosed, driven player, always hustling, always fighting for everything. Got a good shot, nice little um, able to attack the hoop with not like maybe five-star athleticism, but I'd say four-star, very dangerous when attacking the hoop. And um, they also have a point guard named uh, Bonton. Um, I believe it's Isaiah Bonton. Don't quote me on the first name. But Bonton's kind of, he'll shoot anything. He'll make it. But he's learning his role to be a more efficient point guard. So the Cougs, uh, we'll see what this weekend really means going forward. Washington State's only home loss in conference play has come to USC. They have um, victories over UCLA, Oregon, and Oregon State. So obviously the biggest one was Oregon. And they got that done on Thursday night. Um, it was a really nice victory. Ended up winning by 11. Uh, LB put up 25 points and um, with 14 rebounds. Um, so that was, as Nick said, their biggest upset in, I think, 13 years or something around there. And then they followed it up with a 13-point victory over Oregon State. And so um, that just shows that how difficult it is to win up there and just any road game in general in the Pac-12. Um, as I said in the intro, Kyle Smith is the leader for Coach of the Year and likely wins the award unless something um, drastically changes. Uh, right now, uh, the Cougars, they're 3-3 three and three in conference play, 12-7 and seven overall. So they're in the thick of things. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, the really the only advantage um, you get from the regular season is if you finish in the top four, and that seems highly unlikely because you get a bye um, in in the conference tournament, and that seems highly unlikely for um, Wazoo. So um, it's hard to tell where they're going to go. Uh, it's very difficult for them to win on the road, but if they continue to defend home court, uh, that'll be noteworthy. So looking at the Huskies this year, they really are having kind of just pretty terrible year, quite frankly. Um, I live in Seattle, so there was a lot of hype around this team before the season, and they have not even come close to living up to it. So that's kind of the big picture of their year. There's a lot of time left. They could still make the tournament. They could still make the Final Four. There's a lot of time left. Um, remember, Oregon was struggling at this point last year, so still a lot of time left. But early on, just really not living up to expectations. If you hop into this week's game, um, they were able to beat Oregon State. Not easily, but comfortably, I think, is the best term. Um, solid win. Oregon State's an improved program. Um, in that game, they had 13 from Isaiah Stewart, their star center forward. Um, Nas Carter, Jamal Bay, Raekwon Battle, and Marcus Tejonis, uh, each all, or they all, figured, <laughs> all figured they all finished in a double-digit scoring, so they had a nice balanced attack. And then against Oregon, who was you know still ranked number eight at the time, um, they were controlling the game. Again, they were beating them handily, and they threw it away. They let Oregon come back and beat them in overtime. I believe they were winning by double-digit points at one point in this game. And this is the theme of UW season. They're just not getting it done. They have the talent, plain and simple. But this is not, something's not clicking. And again, there's a lot of time left. But at this point in the season, something's plain and simple not clicking. Against Oregon, Isaiah Stewart at 25-19. Tonus again with 14. But bottom line is they blew another winnable game. And this needs to get fixed. Quade Green's academic issues have really hurt um, Washington. So since he has been uh, deemed ineligible... They just have the one victory um, over Oregon State, so they're one and three. 
Um, so his absence is going to be extremely difficult to overcome. As I mentioned last week, he's a McDonald's All-American. He's a five-star recruit. He's a transfer from Kentucky, and so he made, he really made their offense run, you know, distributing the ball um, to the bigs, and also he can score. So his absence is huge, and I don't think they're really going to recover. Though they had a really great game against Oregon, very respectable performance. They didn't get it done at the end. Um, I mean, there's a little bit of controversy. It looked like Pritchard might have traveled on one of the plays, and but, I mean, you know, you can't go back and change the referee's opinion on things so um and moving forward I think um Raycon Battle is gonna have to step up and fill the role that uh Quad A Green has left and when I watched that Oregon State game um I thought okay Battle is the answer to UW's um Green issue so Green absent um Battle's gonna have to step up he didn't really in the Oregon game and so moving forward, he's going to have to be that point guard and that person that fills that role. Oh, beavers. Oh, beavers. Oh, beavers. What? what? Oh, man. Y'all, y'all were looking so good. Not so. Y'all were looking all right. And now now your season's in crisis mode. Um, bottom line is they, they lost both games this weekend. There's currently 12 and 6 and 2 to 4 overall. And so, before we get into this week's games, I'm going to kind of put the big picture at hand here. And uh, so, again, 12-6, and 2-4 overall. They, they face uh, Stanford, UCLA, USC, and Cal. And they need to go 3-1 and one in these contests. If they don't go 3-1 and one in these contests, I find it very unlikely that they're going to make the tournament. And this team had a lot of... Hey, stop emailing me. And um, this team had a lot of preseason hype. So, if they, they should have two for sure wins in Cal and UCLA. And if they can just split against UC and Stanford, they can get everything back on the right foot and no need to overthink this weekend. But so, again, they're near dead last in conference right now. That's that's important to point out. So, but anyway, if you look at this week's games, uh, they got beat by UW, plain and simple. Not going to dive too deep into that. Um, just outperformed. And um, against WSU, they kind of ran into a buzzsaw because it was Clay Thompson's uh, jersey retirement night. A lot of extra fans showed up for that. So again, for Oregon State, there's no need to really look too in-depth in this week's games. It's what they do going forward. Um, again, they must win three other next four contests. And Trace Tinkle, Ethan Thompson, and Kyler Kelly really need, to lead, really need to lead the way. Oregon State has been on the outside of the bubble for the entire season, and this last weekend really hurt their chances. There's going to be six teams, most likely from the Pac-12, and four of them are pretty much locks. Um, although Washington's performance lately has really put that assumption into question. But um, there's going to be, like I said, probably six, uh, maybe just five. And um, Oregon State really needed to split that road trip, and they really probably, um, to boost themselves into the tournament brackets by you know bracket pro- uh, projections, they needed to have swept this weekend. And so they dropped both games. The one at Washington State was very harmful, and even the one at UW, considering that um, they've been reeling a lot uh, recently, is also a bad loss. So it's going to be really difficult for them moving forward. They're going to need to find road sweeps and um, continue to sweep at home. I mean, they haven't, um, I don't even think they have a home sweep yet 
they only have two wins in conference with the four losses. They do have that win over Colorado, which is their best win of the season. And their other um, noteworthy win from non-conference is uh, Iowa State. So their resume is not looking so hot. And of the teams that were on the bubble last week, they did not do themselves any favors. So um, if you're looking at the Ducks, this was, I would actually say, oh, save of a weekend because it could have turned out a lot worse and they really could have hurt their resume. Um, so we're going to talk about the Cougs game. Uh, bottom line, they just got cocky. And I think that's a part of human nature playing kind of a lesser talented team. And so I would just completely ignore this, wipe the stats clean off this one and understand sometimes these things do just happen. Plain and simple. Don't look too much into the loss to the Cougs. If they played that game a hundred times. Oregon's going to win 90, maybe even 95. And uh, so against the Huskies, uh, Peyton Pritchard dropped 22 and fueled a comeback um, to really save the weekend and really, really improve their resume, like I said before. So um, if you're looking at the Ducks as a whole, again, this is a very impressive comeback win against UW on the road. Nothing to take away from it. We're going to look at the bigger picture here. And they need to get more consistency out of C.J. Walker, Chris Duarte, Chris Duarte and uh, Will Richardson. They have a bona fide star in Peyton Pritchard, but he's not like that athletic prototype who can just get to the hole every time and dunk on everyone. He's a smart game manager type player, and with this type of leader, you need other players to step up. It's actually the point guard of a championship type team, but you need these other players to step up. So Chandler Lawson had 16 against UW. That's one example. C.J. Walker... Chris Duarte and Will Richardson need to help out their leader. Oregon is the best team in the conference, and they have the greatest potential to make uh, a deep run in March, and that's been clear since the beginning of this season. So if you look at their record against top 25 teams that were ranked at the time they played them, they are 4-2. and two. And so nobody else in the conference even comes close to that. Um, they've played the most ranked teams. They have the most wins over ranked teams. Uh, the only other school that has uh, a win, more than one win over a ranked team at the time, is Colorado. Uh, Colorado has two. So, um, yeah, the Wazoo game was one of those games where you probably just, like Nick said, um, kind of throw it out the window. Everybody has had a bad loss this year in college basketball, and that one was theirs wasn't at home, it was on the road, and a lot of that can be um, chalked up to Kyle Smith and his um, revamp of that um, Cougar program. So that's more uh, a reflection of Wazoo. And a harder, much tougher environment on national TV, uh, again, was you know the Washington game, and Peyton Pritchard stepped up, hitting two huge threes, one at the end or near the end of the game, and the other one in overtime. So he's the reason they won, and he's going to be the driver of their success in the NCAA tournament. Well, this game, or this this team had one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. But before we get to that, we're talking about the Stanford Cardinal. Still having a very solid season, sitting atop the conference, or tied for atop the conference, and nothing to worry about. So a quick recap of their games this week. They handled UCLA easily, like really easily. Uh, Tyrell Terry dropped 24 points, got hot from beyond the arc, uh, the point guard. And um, quickly kind of dissecting him, he's a really good point guard. Um, 
My one concern for him would be that he's got a skinny body. Um, you know, if he's facing the bigger, more athletic guards in conference, he, he may have, have kind of, he may get pushed around, plain and simple. And, uh, but at the same time, Trey Young, Trey Young, <laughs> Trey Young also had a very similar body type, and he's a star in the NBA. So, um, really, it's how he's able to maneuver his weight, shift his weight, find seams, and that sort of thing. But he has a talent. The game against USC, man, they threw it away. They had them. They literally had them. And when I say they threw it away, I mean, they were up three with approximately like 10 seconds left. All they had to do was inbound the ball, take some foul shots, get out of there with a the victory, go to the, remain first in the conference. Instead, they throw the ball away to half at half court where a USC player grabbed the ball, shucked it over one of their teammates, and USC hit a three, sending the game to overtime. USC eventually took that game. So uh, Stanford threw away their first victory of the year. They have Cal, Oregon State, Oregon next, and it's going to be how they respond, but Never easy to let one slip away. Stanford collapsed in that USC game. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's kind of hard to explain, I guess, other than USC getting to the foul line a lot. Um, but still, when it come down to, the, what was it, 17 seconds left, and you're up by five, and you can't even end the ball on inbound the ball on two separate occasions you turn the ball over twice and then you foul a three-point shooter um yeah that's just not acceptable they're a young team their um star terry is you know he's a freshman and uh dejon davis and oscar de silva are up, upperclassmen but spencer jones who's a key three-point shooter for them is also a freshman so um they have a, a kind of a mix of upperclassmen and freshmen but the the stars are are the uh, underclassmen the freshmen so uh, this is just one of those games going to be a learning experience um it's something that they will digest and watch the film of and they'll come away a, a better team from it um it's unfortunate because they would have been five and oh in the conference and they would have got a sweep over the la schools for the first time i think since 2005 uh, they weren't able to get it done, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes for them. I'm sure they'll, like I said, they'll they'll get better from it, and they'll be a better team in the long run. The next team we're gonna be talking about is probably, I mean, if you're a Cal fan, you're not gonna like to hear this, but the worst team in conference, deal with it, man. They, they're not good, but deal with it. They had their one weekend, just like the Cougars did this week. Um, but I think things kind of went back to reality. Um, they were blown out of the freaking gym against USC. Not even close. Um, I think they lost by 700. I don't know why I always say 700. But no, I think they realistically lost by like 30 points, something along those lines. Matt Bradley is still proven to be kind of their star player. If you, if you, don't, if you haven't watched Cal, um, he's a big body, kind of tough, bruising type player. Um, can hit three every once in a while. Uh, my best analogy would be like a really poor man's uh, Matt Barnes. Um, probably not nearly as good as defense. Um, Matt Barnes from the NBA, ex-NBA player. And um, anyway, against uh, USC again, blown out the gym. So Matt Bradley at 13, Kareem South at 12, and not too much. But my big takeaway, and this is recorded recorded before they play UCLA tonight. This is a must-win game. A must-win game. There's not going to be many teams who have similar talent level to the Golden Bears this year. And if they don't capitalize against the Bruins tonight, they could easily, quickly, fastly, energetically fly back to the bottom of the conference and never get out again. So I'm not sure how they need to find a way, but they need to find a way. 
plain and simple compete, play tough basketball, have Matt Bradley lead it in a, their head coach, Mark Fox, instills a solid defensive scheme. So they must beat UCLA tonight. Yeah, so Cal was swept um, by the L.A. schools. The USC game was by, I think, 32 points, and this game tonight with UCLA was a 10-point loss. Um, Bradley was the only one who really scored. He got 17 of their 40 points, so he's going to need more help um, if they're going to win on the road, which is fairly unlikely, but... Similar to Washington State, I think they'll be able to um, surprise some more teams at home, uh, especially if they can get their students at least, you know, start coming to the games a little bit more than they have been, um, and with, you know, the, the public in general. I mean, Berkeley is just outside of Oakland, and it's that's a major metropolitan. There's no reason you should have less than, I don't know, 5,000 a game, even with a poor team. Um but anyways, so yeah, like I said, moving forward, it's going to be important for them um, to defend home court. So they play Stanford next um, out there in Berkeley, and they host the Oregon schools. So um, the Stanford game could be a little bit closer than people expect. The Oregon State game um, is potentially winnable, though it's kind of a stretch to say that. Um, and then two weeks after that, Arizona and Arizona State come to Berkeley, so the ASU game is potentially winnable, and then in the end of February, um, Colorado and Utah comes, so they, that's uh, the Utah game is at least winnable at home. The next team we're going to be talking about here is the USC the Trojans, baby, and they rollicked Cal to the gym. Yes, right, they rollicked them. That's how much they beat them by. Look that one up in your di- in your dictionary. So. In that contest, they were led by Jonah Matthews with 19 points, Daniel Utami Daniel with 17. Um, really, it's what the Trojans needed to do against a lesser squad, but it does show to how talented this team can be when they put things together. And uh, now we're getting into the game of the week in conference, um, or arguably the game of the week, I should say. Uh, like, like I mentioned in the Stanford section, they stole the freaking game. They should have lost at home. We're not throwing out stats. We're not throwing out numbers. Bottom line is they kept fighting. And that's an underrated characteristic in a team. They gave themselves a chance. A lot of teams would have folded down three, you know. Well, let's not try. It's over. It's over. But hey, they made the plays. They found a way. They hit some big shots, and they're quietly fourteen and three with the four with and uh, with the four and one record in conference. Uh, they're boosting their tournament resume on the daily. There's no other way to say it. Fourteen and three and four and one speaks for itself. You're about six to eight wins from locking yourself in the tournament. Eight wins. Tw- if you can grab twenty-two, you'll f- you'll for sure be in there. And that's ultimately their goal. So Jonah Matthews had 19. Daniel, you told me, was 17. But the nice thing about USC is they're starting to find balance. They still have uh, Rukikovic down low, blank on his first name, and Agyewu, um down low. So they have that great combination. And mixing that with Daniel, you told me, and uh, Jonah Matthews, USC could be the real deal. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Nick Rukosevich and Onyeka Okongwu. Um, yeah, Rukosevich is a senior. He's a great inside player. Um, Akangu is also a forward, a, a cinder type player, and uh, he's a freshman. So uh, they have some good mixture of um, upperclassmen, lowerclassmen, very skilled front court. Um, the guard play is inconsistent, and that's what I've been saying for several weeks is going to drive their success. If the guards are playing well, 
uh, their whole team is going to play well and they're going to do well in the conference. Um, back in November, my very first basketball piece, I wrote that I expected the USC Trojans to make the tournament this year. They've proven me correct so far, up to this point at least. Um, they have that bad loss, I guess you can call it a bad loss, to Temple at the beginning of the year. It's not that Temple is a terrible program, it's that the loss was in the Coliseum or in LA at the Galen Center. So, um, that is the one questionable loss. They also were blown out by Marquette, and they were also blown out by Washington. So their margin of defeats in the games that they've lost is questionable, and um, they are probably a bubble team right now, but um, on the good side of the bubble. So if the tournament selection show was tomorrow, they would probably get an invite. I'd say a 12 seed, maybe a 10 seed at about um, where they are right now. And like I said, the guard play is going to be um, important for them. All right, as we hop across to West Bono Rays on the playgrounds where I spent most of my days chilling. All right, yeah, so we're hopping over to Bel Air, UCLA. UCLA is not even in Bel Air, but that was too good of a show to not give a little shouty. Seriously, not just the theme song. That show is freaking awesome, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. There's my fun fact of the day for y'all. So the reason we're killing time with this segment is because, you know, in my notes, I'm not sure why. Because UCLA, I'm not sure why, like, what they're doing. Um, their effort against Stanford was really disconcerting, to be quite, quite frank. I know Stanford's the better team, but they should have at least shown some fight. And that's always the thing with me. When you're a rebuilding program, let's not get beat by 30. Let's maybe lose by 15, but keep the other team on their heels slightly. When you're getting beat by 30, there's not really a lot you can learn from it other than building and maintaining solid habits and a positive attitude. But basketball-wise, losing by that much, the other team, the situational is kind of falling into question. So if you're really looking at them as a whole year, they don't have that consistent leader. The closest thing they have to it is Jalen Hill. He's almost averaging a double-double, 9-7 and on the season, 9.7 rebounds. He had 14-12 and against Stanford. But uh, bottom line is they're going to need to find consistency. They need to find a one-star, one-true player, or else it's going to be really hard to win in an ever-improving conference in the Pac-12. And um, also a side note, Prince Ali only got two minutes in the game. He's a really good player, and I'm not sure why. I tried to look it up. I'm not sure if it was injury, suspension, but I'm surprised he didn't get more minutes. UCLA managed the split of the Bay Area schools um, to get their second win in conference play. So... Um, while it's not the greatest start, um, obviously it's not the worst one either. So they do have two wins in conference. They um, have now won a game at home, and I think they have um, no. They've substantially improved from they, where they were in November and December in the non-conference, and it's a testament to uh, Mick Cronin and um, the team itself buying into, you know, everything he says and um, the philosophy that he expects um, from his team. But, I mean, bigger picture, it's all about next year. It's always been about next year. Uh, recruiting is important. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's got them to buy in. It's just they're not that talented. And when you don't have talent, it can be overcome through good coaching and strategy. So it's entirely possible that they upset a few more teams this season. And I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they won at least one game 
in the Pac-12 tournament here in March. But obviously, NCAA hopes are out the window for this year. All right, so as we hop into our, our another top story of the week here, we got the Wildcats of Arizona. This is Dane's expertise, so he's probably got a little more added insight than I do, but I still know a couple things here. So, bottom line, they showed off who they are this week. God freaking darn. Yeah, that's in my notes too. Um, they beat Utah by 16. Zeke Naji, he's a forward center type player. Probably go more with the forward. Um, quickly emerging as one of the best players in conference. Had 24 points and 8 rebounds. And a Max Hazard kind of journeyman um, type uh, senior redshirt injured all that. He got really hot beyond the arc. He made a lot of three-pointers and uh, finished with 24 points. And so that was, you know, that was Utah. That is what it is. Uh, Zeke Naji becoming that guy. But then they followed it up by blowing Colorado out of the gym. Gosh darn again. And that's huge. That is the win Arizona needed to gain that confidence, gain that swagger back, that Lou Olsen era, we the best, you know who we are type-ish. And Arizona is starting to get there. Um, I think this weekend proves that. They're 13-5, and 3-2 and two overall. And, um... Their next three games are all going to be road, but they are against ASU, which is winnable. UW going to be tough, and WSU on the road, which is winnable. So they should be able to hop out to 15-6, and six, and uh, they're slowly climbing their way towards the tournament. Um, and this is a team now. you got Dylan Smith, Josh Green, Nico Mannion, Zeke Naji, a lot of good players, and if they all start to gel together, they could be the best team in conference. The key for Arizona's success is the bench, also the upperclassmen. Um, so the combination of those two is important. The upperclassmen, if you could break it down into just a single person, is Dylan Smith. So he's the starting um, two guard. So he's a shooting guard, essentially. And um, his inconsistency really hurts the team. When he's passing the ball um, effectively, getting a lot of assists, uh, Arizona's a much better team. I think coming into this weekend, he had like nine total assists or 11 or something like that and in these two games alone he racked up I think eight so he more than doubled his season output and assists in just two games um a noteworthy thing is Jay uh Jeter Chase Jeter was out uh, with back spasms and frankly I think that makes Arizona a better team um Jeter is you know I hate to say it but he's soft on the inside uh he just yeah, I mean, Arizona's better without him. So um, Ira Lee stepped up in a big way, took a lot of uh, Jeter's minutes, especially in that Colorado game. And it also allows the other bench players to get more minutes. Um, Christian Coloco is one of them, but uh, Max Hazard, um, as Nick mentioned, was definitely a, a big factor. Uh, he made nine three-pointers in the two games, including six in the Utah game. So um Moving forward, that's going to have to continue. The bench play and Dylan Smith, that's the key. So ASU had an up and down week as is their season, but it seems like they're finally starting to regain their footing after that kind of tough stretch. They lost St. Mary's in the non-conference, Creighton in the non-conference, and followed that up by getting beat by Arizona by 422 points. And uh, so, seriously, I know it's weird to be talking about non-conference at this point of the year, but that kind of trio of games really set them back. So, if you hop into this week's outings, they lost to Colorado. Uh, They fought hard, played good under head coach Bobby Hurley, but just plain and simple, didn't really have enough talent to compete in the end. Remy Remy Martin's becoming a bona fide star. 25 points, 7 rebounds, awesome. He's starting to find a nice counterpunch with Romello White down low. 
finishing with 19 and 10. So, um, again, they're starting to find a little nice one, too. But uh, they were able to come back and beat Utah easily, which was not guaranteed. They could have also lost that game. Um, very, very important win for the program. And uh, Rob Edwards at 24 in this game. Remy Martin, again, bona fide star, 20 points and 6 assists. So if you're looking at the big picture here for ASU, I'm not sure if it's going to be a tournament quite quite year. But if if that is going to be a possibility, um, Romello White needs to continue to be that second kind of option to Remy White. He's almost averaging a triple-double. And more importantly, Rob Edwards and Alonzo Verge are both putting up solid stats, I believe around 10 a game. But one of them needs to become that third star. Um, this team needs a third star to compete this year in conference. So again, they have Remy Martin leading the way at point. Um, Romello White down low and uh, Rob Edwards or Alonzo Ver- or Alonzo Verge Jr. really need to be be the guys. So apart from what happened on the court this weekend for ASU, they were hosting Josh Christopher. So Christopher is one of I think he's a top five prospect, uh, five star recruit um, in, out of the whole country. So he's he's one of the best players in the country coming out of high school this year. Uh, he was, uh, I don't know if it was official visit, but he was definitely visiting Arizona State for the Utah game. Uh, I saw him post a picture on Twitter of him with Bobby Hurley in the Arizona State uniform and things like that. It looked like he was having a good time. So that would be a major development for recruiting um, heading into next season for this year. The one thing that they have going for them is they built a little bit of a name brand, and that's really important for the selection committee. They um, like to invite teams that are uh, will you know bring eyes and are um you know brand names essentially so um in their back-to-back invitations um over the last two seasons along with their recent victory last year in the playing game really is going to benefit them so if it comes down to two bubble teams who have similar resumes in conference um the committee is likely going to give the nod to asu uh, for the reasons I just stated. So they need to continue to defend the bank and they need to find home sweeps and they definitely need a road sweep. But um, the tournament is still a possibility that they're on the outside right now. It's always weird when you're recording a podcast on your phone into your phone into your phone you need to like check if your hands covering the speakers you got hold like this like unique angle getting some muscles you know getting some hand muscles i guess so um we're gonna hop in colorado here yeah you know come on, i always got to come through with something very vital information i didn't even tell you my tea of the week this week so we're gonna go with the hand thing instead so if you're looking at colorado they found a way to beat asu tyler bay 19-8 rebounds bottom line if they are who we all think they are they need to win that game um they honestly could have even won by more but they found a way to win, so we'll roll with that. Another kind of concerning loss against UA, uh, they got Maliwonk. It's plain and simple. They got blown out the gym. And uh, this isn't what you expect from a team who's projected to win the conference, them along with Oregon, depending on the Sports Writers Association. And um, Colorado really doesn't have the look of that team. They win games, and then they have outings like this. And to be quite frank, this is a team I see being upset in the early rounds of the tournament. Their talent alone will get them to the big dance, but I see them losing maybe in the first round, second round at last. This doesn't feel like a Sweet 16 team to me. So if you look at them kind of as a whole here, um, first off, McKinley Wright, 15 points, 5 assists, 5 turnovers. Needs to do uh, better in big games. The 5 turnovers really hurts. But if you look at them as a whole, they have a nice balanced attack. 
in McKinley Wright, Tyler Bain, Deshaun Schwartz, but I don't know if that's enough to win. Um, they may not be as good as we all thought they are, and they face UW and WSU next, and they must get a split, if not win both those games. Well, I haven't been on Colorado's hype train all year since the very beginning of the year, so where they're at right now is about where I expected and might even be slightly better. So uh, the Arizona game, you can probably just chalk that up as just you know, one of those throwaway games. Um, Evan Batty didn't score. They were, he was in foul trouble a lot of the game. Uh, McKinley Wright got his, but Tyler Bay didn't do much. Um, Colorado hasn't won in Tucson since 1965. Um, so my dad texted me and he was like, they haven't, uh, Colorado hasn't beaten Arizona since he's been alive. So actually he was born in 62, but he was three. So, um, anyways, the moving forward, they just need to continue splitting on the road and winning at home. So uh, the the loss to Oregon State out there in Boulder was really surprising. Um, but uh, moving forward, I don't think they're going to lose again at home. And so they just need to continue to split on the road. And that's... Um, going to be big for them as Nick said in the NCAA tournament it all come down to a matchup you can never project a team like that how far they'll go um, it's easier for me to predict Oregon more difficult for me to predict predict Colorado I could see them getting to a sweet 16 um, as Nick said I could also see them losing in the first round So the final team we're going to be talking about this week is the Utah Utes. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, they were one of the big three things to look out for. And uh, bottom line is, again, they beat Kentucky that late night, I believe, is ESPN game early in the year. I actually stayed up to watch it just because, well, I didn't stay up. It just happened to be on, let's just be honest. But anyway, they beat um, Kentucky. Um, so you're thinking this is a for real team, a team that's projected lowly to beat Kentucky. Um, but now since then they've fallen to dead last in the conference and, uh, I mean, dead last is dead last. That speaks for itself. Not much. Um, Larry Kristoviac, Larry Kristoviac got kicked out of the game. And I think that's just the frustration as a whole team, um, that, that kind of may happen from time to time when things are going so hot to so low. Um, that's quite a steep decline and more concerning than all of that, all those fancy words I used is they've, um, gotten blown out the last three games. And the previous two games were against a solid team, so that's respectable. But to get blown out against Arizona State, that's not that's not going to get it done. Bottom line, that's really not going to get it done. And uh, they face UW next, which realistically they can get blown out again. The Huskies have the talent, same talent level, if not more, than the Sun Devils. So Utah needs to figure it out. Uh, as a whole, Timmy Allen's their best player by far. Uh, <laughs> not really a lot else to say. The other players are cute. They put up decent stats, but they have Timmy Allen, and he, they're going to go as far as he takes them, and he might have to even elevate his game to a higher level if possible. Utah is going to be a really dangerous team in about two seasons. Uh, they are so young. Most of their They're the second youngest team uh, in the country. They're 350 out of 352, according to Ken Palm. So um, they are extremely young. Uh, struggles like this on the road are to be expected from a team like that. They've had easily the most difficult uh, opener um, to conference play. So they've played the Oregon schools, they went to Colorado, and then they did the Arizona schools on the road. And now they're going to the Washington schools on the road. So for them, 
uh, for Larry Kristoviak in the future of the program, it's going to be managing to convince Timmy Allen to stay for his junior year and potentially his senior year. So if if he gets to if Larry gets him to stay for next season, they're going to be significantly improved. Rylan Jones, uh, both Gotch will be um, both Gotch will be uh, a junior, but uh, Jones will be. Um, a sophomore so they'll have that experience under their belt and if they can um, convince Allen to stay that'll be big and then if they can convince Allen to stay for his senior year and Gotch and Jones all have that experience of um, three years in the in the Pac-12 play they could possibly be the favorite to win the conference but that's in the 2022 season so um, you know 21-22 so for this year they just need to um, go through it. You got to just go through these losses before you really um, take that next jump. So that's it for me this week. Um, as I mentioned at the top, we'll, we'll give you some quick takeaways. You want to sound smart in the office, you know, while you're grabbing some coffee, some water cooler. If you got beer in your job, that's a pretty cool job. So whatever you're doing, you want to sound smart. You know something about Pac-12 hoops. This is what will make you look kind of cool. So Arizona had a bounce back week. Still one of the top teams in conference, plain and simple. Um, with results like this, they speak for themselves. WSU um, may, may be turning around talent-wise. They're still one of the lowly teams, to be quite frank. But they did beat Oregon and uh, Oregon State at home this week. Uh, Clay Thompson's jersey retirement night. And again, they're 3-3 three and three in conference. And they've shown a solid home court advantage uh, thus far this year in conference play. And uh, Utah is now dead last in the conference. Again, they beat Kentucky to now dead last. Uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I have 30 seconds of airtime to fill. You know what? We're going to cut myself a little bit short. Use those fast facts to sound cool at the office. Thanks for listening. I'm about to go coach a basketball game. Got an awesome group of kids. Adios. Doodling Dane will take you out. The man with the plan with the facts. Adios from Seattle. Thanks for listening. I still think six teams from the Pac-12 make the NCAA tournament. It gets murkier the worse that Washington does. Um, At the beginning of the conference season, you said the four that were locked were Arizona, uh, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. Since Washington has fallen off, that is becoming too serious question. USC and Stanford are right there gunning um, to take their spot. So if the tournament selection were today, uh, I think you got Oregon, Colorado, Arizona, Stanford, and then the bubble teams would be USC and Washington. So of those two, um, Washington has a better non-conference win because it was over Baylor but USC is playing much better. So in all likelihood, they're both going to get in. So the tournament teams that I have right now, USC, Stanford, Oregon, Colorado, Arizona, and Washington. So if Washington plays poorly, continues to play poorly, um, there is that possibility of a six-team um, from the conference, you know, taking their spot. Otherwise, it might only be five teams. So of the teams that are possibly going to take Washington's spot, I think you got to mention Arizona State and Oregon State. I know they had bad weeks, but they're still possible.